Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. All right, amen. Well, good to be here with you this morning. Um, hope you had a great Christmas with your family and friends and uh, maybe, you know, however you had it. Just hope you had a great, great day yesterday and we remember Christ's birth. What a great thing to remember. It's a good thing that we remember and think about that miracle because truthfully, truthfully, God wants to step in to history. And there are certain times in history when God does step in and he does something unprecedented. And you see, if you get used to a God and used to situations where you think things are always going to be the same and that's the only way God works, you're going to be missing out when God does the new thing that God wants to do. You see, and God is always looking for a people that's in, in a time of darkness where he will pull on them to stretch forth their faith and see God move in the middle of the darkness and bring in an, an amazing miracle. That's what happened in, in what you know we call Christmas now. When Jesus was brought into the earth, it was a time of darkness. It didn't look like anything was going on. They were under the Roman rule, rule and uh, they didn't like the way things were going. It, you know, it looked very oppressive. And in the middle of that, Jesus Christ was born. And there were those that knew about it. And you see, that's what, that's what touches my heart. One of the things about the story of Christmas is that there were some people that knew about what God was going to be doing. And those, uh, we know Anna and uh, Simeon, that they were familiar. They, they somehow had picked up on, God's going to do this. Simeon's going, God's going to do this before I die. You know, he, he wasn't a priest. He wasn't what we would call a prophet. And yet he had a sensing of God was getting ready to do something. Now, I want to just mention for a moment, this man was not um, a prophet, as we would term a prophet, and neither was he filled with the Holy Spirit the way we are in the New Testament or the way we can be. I don't want to just say that everyone who's a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit the way we can be. It's very obvious and clear in Scriptures that um, you know we can be filled with the Holy Spirit after becoming saved, and we should be motivated to do that. Paul said, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And my point is this, if Simeon, without that experience, was able to hear from God and discern that the, hope, that the, the birth of the Savior was going to happen before he died, how much more should we be able to sense things of God? God doesn't tell us everything, but we get sensings of things that are to come. And with everything that's going on in this world, with, with the COVID, with the political things, with things that are happening around the world, with all the craziness that's going on, with what's happening as far as everything that's being disrupted, we need to be a people that are able in the midst of this kind of dark world to see through that and to see something of God. We see in part, we prophesy in part, but we need to at least see in part. We don't need to know the full picture, but God gives us a glimpse of what is to come, and we are supposed to fix our eyes on that and fix our eyes on the Word of God, and we're supposed to go forward in that direction. And as we do that, guess what happens? God strengthens us. God's Word begins to speak to us. And you know what? In the midst of darkness, God gives us enough every day, enough every day, enough every day, enough every day, until we enter into that new thing. I love that Anna was, I forgot how old she was, but she's a very old woman in the temple praying, and she's been holding on to this. She's been praying for this to happen, and then she sees it. She knows by God that this is the Lord. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And it's, it's really something. Think about this, guys. They see the baby, and they know this is the Messiah. Other people who've been in the church for the longest time see Jesus do his miracles. They see him preach. They hear it, and they still can't figure out he's the Messiah, right? I'm just telling you, you can be in the church and be so disconnected. You can be in the church and know so many scriptures, and yet not have the Spirit of Christ working in you. You don't have the Spirit of Christ speaking to you. He's not instructing you. You're more connected 
with the things that are going on in this world than what God is saying. And that is not the way things are supposed to be. What's God called us to be connected to? The voice of God, the communication of God, faith, right? And so if you're more connected this way than you are this way, you're going to be more influenced this way, right? And when God does something, you won't be ready for it. You'll be against it. Oh, I don't like that. Jesus can move. And if you don't like God doing something you've never seen before, maybe, you know, in your church it's never happened before, you're going to come, let me tell you, you're going to miss out on what God's going to do because God is getting ready to do something new in this hour. It's going to be new and it's going to shock people and there are going to be Christians probably that come against it. That's amazing, isn't it? Are y'all with me this morning? But you know what? There are going to be so many that have been praying and waiting. And though maybe it's different than what they thought was going to happen, then maybe don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But when it happens, they're going to be ready for it, and they're going to go with it because they've been waiting. They've been praying. They've not given up on God, and God has prepared them for the things that are to come. Man, I'm just, I am looking forward to this season because I so believe it's going to, to be like what happened in Christmas is going to be like a, uh, an example of things that are to come. You know, what happened at, at Christmas time of God doing a miracle, everything changing, uh, Him using the young and old. I just believe that's, that's what we're getting ready to see. Now, last week, last week I was going through some of the things in the Word of God about, um, you know, uh, what, what happened at Christmas. And I want to continue a little bit with that today. And, um, you know, what we, we started out looking at Zacharias, right? And he's, he's got this dream. He's got a desire. And, you know, how many times we have desires. When we're connected with God, um, our desires that he's given us come alive. They're, they're, there's something ignited there. Now, we, could, we can shut them down, which I believe Zacharias did. But God can give us dreams and desires because how does God do things? He wants them to be prayed into the earth. So what does he do? He gives men desires. He begins to give them a desire for something. And you remember, we looked at Hannah in the Old Testament. He gave her a desire for a child. And it wasn't just normal. I mean, beyond the normal desire. And she wouldn't let go of it. It looks just like it's her. But it's God because she's a woman of God. She's a woman of faith. She can't let go of this thing. Everybody tries to discourage her. No, she won't let go. Now, Zacharias, on the other hand, I believe he had the same kind of desire planted in him. He's praying for a child. He's praying for a child. He's praying for a child. And guess what? It's been a long time. And we saw from the scriptures, it's very strongly indicated in the scriptures that he prayed the same kind of prayer Hannah prayed. God will give him to you. Lord, he'll be of service to you. God, use him how you want to use him. Do whatever. And then, and then guess what happens? The angel comes later and the angel goes, your prayer has been heard. And honestly, that is a wonderful thing. But as you look at the story, you realize his prayer could have been heard years ago. He's just finding out at that time that his prayers were heard. You see? Because it looks like he's given up. That he's not praying in faith anymore. And that is just an amazing thing to me that Sometimes we can pray and God hear our prayers, but there's a particular reason for, for some reason those prayers don't manifest right then. He's heard your prayers. Be patient. Wait on Him. And you know what? If you don't have the conviction that God's heard your prayers, what does God tell us in Luke 18? Keep praying. Keep praying. Do not lose heart, Jesus says. I love that. You know, so many times what happens is we lose heart because of certain things. And I believe Zacharias lost heart. You know why he lost heart? Because God took a long time to do what God was going to do. And so many times God doesn't move on our time frame. And his time frame is so much further away than ours is. God does not move on your time schedule. He moves at the perfect time, amen? And God says, don't be discouraged. Hannah kept pressing through, right? Zacharias somehow got discouraged along the way, and he let his vision drop. 
And I just want to say for those of you that have been holding on, I believe there are many, uh, particularly those of you who've been serving the Lord a long time. You've been a man or woman of prayer. You follow the Lord. And the things that God has put in you and the desires that are in your heart, do not give up on what God has planted. Amen. God will bring it about at the right time. And don't throw in the towel because you don't understand God. You see, it's not going to happen in your timing. It might not happen the way you think it's going to happen, how it's going to think it's, you think it's going to happen. But God's going to do what he's going to do. And if he's giving you a desire and he's putting a dream on the inside of you, don't let go of that thing. Pray. Don't lose heart, as he told that woman in Luke 18. Even if it looks like you're not getting what you ought to be getting. Now, we don't understand everything. I wish we understood everything. But I'll tell you one thing Jesus said over and over. Do not fear. Don't be discouraged. Keep trusting. Keep believing. How many times did he even have to tell his disciples? If you just have faith, if you just believe, just press into that. Amen. He never says, oh, just give up. Oh, there's sometimes you just have too much hope. Just don't have hope. You know what I believe actually Zacharias did? Well, we'll see what happens in this story. This angel comes to Zacharias when he's in the temple. Let me, let me just go through this story here. So the angel comes. Of course, Zacharias is a priest, and it's the day to, you know, they're, they're supposed to burn the incense before the temple. His division of priests is there, and by, by uh, lot, or it's just by a, a chance, Today, it'd be, it'd be like, uh, you know, pulling straws or casting lots or whatever. He's chosen. He's an old man. He's never been chosen before. You can only be chosen one time. I think he's probably thinking, oh, it's probably never going to happen. I'm hoping to get, do this before I die. I'm getting older every year. It's somebody else. Sometimes it's a young person, you know, that just started doing this. And I've been here years, right? And so by lot, he's chosen that day. And he goes in and... The angel meets him there and gives him this word about him. He's going to have John the Baptist, right? And let me, I just want to reiterate some things that I touched on last week because I believe those are so important for right now and for what's getting ready to happen in this next season. You know, look at the things that are in play here and what happens in John's life. First of all, we've got what? Timing. The issue wasn't a no to his prayer. The issue wasn't a no to his dreams and his desires. The issue was timing. There's a lot of things that God's not going to do until it's time, right? Second thing we see is open doors. Open doors. When it's God's time, guess what happens? Open doors will come your way. That lot fell to him that day, right? He could just go, oh, these are lot. It's just by chance. How many of you know it was not by chance? It wasn't by chance. It was an open door of God. When it's God's timing, when things are coming into alignment, you begin to have open doors to go where God wants you to go. And they may look just completely like they dropped in your lap by chance. And God wants you to know, that's not by chance. That open door is from God. When you get an open door, guess what? You, you still have to use your face. You still have to use your face. Zacharias had a, the first open door, so to, so to speak. God did something that was going to align him with this new thing. He was going to get that word that day, right? He gets this open door and... But, but guess what? He, his faith falters, right? And what does he do? He speaks a negative word out about it, right? Now, I want to just mention, when you get a word from God and you get an open door, you're going to have to learn how to walk in that new place by faith. You can't just think, oh, I'm going to just be obedient. That's part of it. But you're going to have to also walk in faith. You've got to believe God. You've got to trust God. And what did Zacharias do? When the angel says, you're going to have a son, what did, what did Zacharias do? What did he ask? Do y'all remember? Somebody knows what he asked. 
He doesn't say, how can this be? That's pretty close. I don't, how am I going to know you're going to really do that? Right? Mary said, how can this be? I don't understand. He's going, how can I know what you're saying is right? You see, he's doubting what the angel has said. Now, I just want you to think about this a minute. The Bible tells us that Zacharias is a just man, right? We know he's a good man. He's a man of prayer. He's righteous. And we know God wants to bless him. We know God wants to bless him, right? Do you see that you can be a good person, just love the Lord, be in prayer, God wants to bless you, and you still doubt God's Word? Are y'all with me? If you were to ask Zacharias, Zacharias, do you believe the Word of God? He'd go, absolutely. Every one of us, I think, in this room would say that. Absolutely. But do you believe this Word of God to you? Oh, I don't know about that. You see, this, this is what I'm saying. We can conceptually say we believe the word of God, but that's not the same as believing really the promise that you need to believe for your life to go to the next place God has called you to be. Amen? Just because you believe in God, just because you're a good person, just because you love God, does not believe you're walking in faith for the promises you need to have in your life. Wow, that's really powerful. I hope y'all can see that here. That's exactly his problem. He believed in God. He believed in God's word, but he didn't believe in the specific word that he needed to believe in. Amen. <laughs> you see, and that's where we need to be. And what happened to him? What happened to him? I believe it was, as I said earlier, it's disappointment, right? And, and beyond disappointment, he's at the place where he said this. I need to know, how can you prove to me what you're saying is really real? Because I believed before. I had hope before, and we were crushed. It was so painful. I don't want to have to believe anymore. I've already been through that. I don't want to take my wife through that again. We don't want to have to go through that. We have learned to cope knowing we're not going to get what we were believing God for. Now we're coping, and we've sort of got a new way of coping, and you're trying to get me to believe again? No, I'm all right. You better make sure before I do this, you better let me know. You see what I'm saying? And one of the groups of people that don't want to believe are those that believed, they trusted God, and then somewhere along the way, they just decided, I'm just going to learn how to cope. God's not going to do it. I'm just going to... Love the Lord, but not believe God for that thing anymore. We don't want to hope because hope can be painful. Amen? And that's what exactly, I believe, happened to Zacharias. He'd hoped a long time. His wife had hoped a long time. And then he just said, I'm just going to give up. I just want to ask you real quick. Can you connect with any God-given dreams right now? Something... Maybe you don't even know it's God, but think out something deep on the inside of you that you know you ought, that you want, that a prayer to be answered, some need you have, and it's deep down on the inside of you. Let me just encourage you today. God wants to wake up those desires and dreams that I believe many of them he's planted in your heart. Amen? Because he wants you to believe. He's looking for people that will believe and not give up. And he's just, he speaks to Zacharias. And what does he do? He speaks to that negativity that he had. And he goes, you know, you're not going to speak for a while. Why? Because you spoke negatively about the Word of God and the promises. And your negative words are, are going to be a hindrance to this whole process. But not only this, not only is this process, but for generations after, there'll always be an example of do not speak out against the word of God. Do not speak out words of doubt that God can't do this. Can maybe God do that? Because this is an example. If you begin to speak that, honestly, I believe it can hinder you from taking what God's called you to have. And God will stop you from it. 
Okay, and we saw, you remember the, the example in the promised land where they're getting ready to go into the promised land and, and, and 10 spies go, oh, wait a second, these giants are huge. We can't do it, guys. I, we've saw, we saw it already. We got to come up with plan B. Now, I saw some good places in the wilderness. You remember when we were, we could, and so they're, they're, they're coping. They, and they were so afraid. And Joshua and Caleb go, wait a minute. If God said it, it doesn't matter if we're smaller than them. There's one of us. There's seven of them. It doesn't matter if we're smaller. It doesn't matter that they're trained and we're not. It doesn't matter this and that. It doesn't matter. All it matters is God said it. And he says, and if we please him, if we please him, he will give us the land. Why was he saying if, he ple- if we please them? He was going your doubt and what's coming out of your mouth is not pleasing to the Lord. If you change your attitude, you start believing. Rise up out of your disappointment and whatever bad happened, whatever you can't figure out and you don't understand. If you just be willing to believe God, God says, that's what I'm believing for. That pleases me. That honors me. Amen. And there's a, an amazing story. I mentioned this, in, it's in 1 Kings 7, 1 and 2, if you want to read it. But there was this famine, and this guy comes over, I believe he was coming over actually to kill Elisha, because they were so mad at him, and uh, I won't get into why, but they're so mad at him. And so, uh, to make a long story short, Elisha gives the word of the Lord and says, there's going to be food tomorrow in abundance. And this man this man who's an evil man speaks out and goes, could this even be even if the windows of, I don't think he was going like this. Could this be? Wow. Even, even if this, could this happen? No, I think he was because of the spirit of this man. He was going, could this be, you think this could be? No. And Elisha says, oh, it's going to happen, but you won't eat of it. Y'all remember that story? Guess, guess why he didn't eat of it? Because of his negative words spoken out in a negative spirit. Now, we always, we all have negative words we speak. I like it when my wife corrects me from my negativity sometimes, right? I said negative word, and she just get on me, right? And uh, if she says a negative word, I can get on her just as gingerly as possible. But, um, you know, we need to encourage one another to be speaking negative word, uh, positive words and not just positive, but faith filled, because that brings things together. So um, before I move on into some new things today, I just want you to be thinking about that for this new year. What is it that's deep on the inside of you? Some of you may have let go of some dreams that were God planted on the inside of you. Maybe it's took too long. Maybe circumstances didn't look right. Maybe you've been disappointed by other things and it's hard and you just like saying, oh, you know what? Um, you know, how do I know that? I, I, I want to make sure before I believe. Does the word of God say it? Is there a testimony on the inside of you? Do you realize when Gabriel spoke these words, God was in those words, you see? And if you have faith, when the word of God comes, it triggers on the inside of you. There's something on the inside that triggers faith, right? You have to have a mind or your heart against it. Your mind can be against it, your heart to resist it. And I'm just asking you, what are you believing God for? What's on the inside? Amen. Start connecting with the Lord. Start bringing your prayers before the Lord and let God heal your heart. Let God re-speak some things he wants to re-speak to you reignite some things maybe that are dead. Maybe some things died that needed to die. Maybe some of what you was inside of you wasn't of God and part of that needed to die. But maybe some of it was God. I'm just saying it's time to start believing God because God's getting ready to do some new things in the earth and he's looking for some people that are ready to say, yes, God, I believe when he speaks new things that they're going to be a people that say, yes, God, I believe here I am your servant or your maid servant here, ready to do your will, ready to step out, 
ready to see something new happen, ready to experiment, and ready to even go through what I'm going to have to go through to get this thing done. You know, most of your dreams won't happen without a struggle because I believe the devil resists everything that's good of God. Amen? Okay. Well, let me just mention a couple of other little things here today about this story. Um, Mary was also met by an angel, right? Y'all remember that? An angel came. And what angel was it? Gabriel, which it seems like he gets all the messages, right? It's like, is every angel that gives a message, they name every angel Gabriel? No. It, anyway, Gabriel gives this message to him. He gives it to her. And rather than say what he said, she says, um, she re, well, he, the angel says this, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also... Uh, the one that's going to be born to you is going to be called the Son of God. Now, I want you to think for a minute. Look how, look how amazingly powerful that word is and crazy, so to speak. I mean, you don't know that that kind of thing's going to happen, that there's going to be a, that God's going to birth himself into the earth. And here, here she's hearing this word, and the angel is telling her, God. The way the Messiah is going to come, it's actually going to be the Son of God. Literally, the Son of God. Yes, you're a virgin. Yes, that's right. Thanks for asking the question, how could this happen? What's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God. That's amazing. And what does she say? She goes, well, behold, here I am. Let it be according, according to your word. <laughs> wow. That's a powerful word of faith, right? That this woman said, and she's believing God. She's going to become pregnant with the Son of God, with God, so to speak, on the inside of her and give birth to the Son of God. That's an amazing faith. I think that's more faith than what Zacharias needed to have for his miracle. Are y'all with me? What a miracle that is. Anyway, in... So I just I want to highlight a few things about that passage and some others today. One first thing I want to mention is from that passage and from what we can glean out of that, we see a huge illustration of how the word of God works in our lives to transform us. So it says this in John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning, listen to this, in the beginning was the is that not a strange statement? It's really like mysterious, isn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, who's He? The Word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Who's him? God and, but it's referring to what? Who is the word? All things were made through him. And again, we do see him is Jesus because the Bible says the words were created through Jesus. Now look at this. The words were created through Christ Jesus. The world was. That's in another verse. And here it says, all things were made through the Word of God. Now, I want you to... I, this is mysterious, right? But just think about it for a minute. The Word is God. Jesus is the Word. The Word created the worlds, right? God spoke the Word and He spoke the worlds into existence. Are y'all with me? Y'all remember that the Spirit is hovering, right? And the Word comes forth from God's mouth in Genesis. And, and what happens? The Word is performed by the Holy Spirit, and it happens. Do y'all remember those in, in Genesis, right? That's an amazing thing. Now, I want y'all to think about how that worked and how the Word was spoken and from the word that was spoken, it worked with the Holy Spirit 
and creation happened. And that word has been with God. The word itself is God. Is that mysterious? Yes, it is, isn't it? Now, think about this. What happened with Mary? The word of God came to Mary through the angel. Are y'all with me? What is the word of God? God is the word of God. They're inseparable. The word of God comes to Mary through the angel. What does Mary do? She receives the word. And she believes the word. She receives it by faith and says, may it be done unto me. And the word, the Bible says, became flesh. The word spoken to her became flesh. It produced by the Holy Spirit, right? And she gave forth birth. That's just, that's just amazing to me. Isn't, it, isn't that amazing to you guys? Are y'all with me? I just I was like, wow. But that's an illustration that of how powerful it is for us to hear and receive and believe the Word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, the Word doesn't profit those who don't believe it. And it's not just talking about a mental, oh, I believe the Word. No, you have to believe that promise particularly. You've got to believe the Word in its exact particular promises, not just a general, like we saw earlier, Oh, I believe the word. Of course I do. But then you read a specific. Well, I don't believe that. You, you, are y'all with me? The word doesn't profit, doesn't work in the one who doesn't mix it with faith. Hebrews 4, 2. But what does it say in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13? The word of God does its work effectively in those who believe. Wow. So what are you saying? There is if you get the word of God on the inside of you, if you'll receive it, if you'll believe it, if you'll hold on to it, if you'll plant it, water it, meditate on it. It says that word will work in you and it will bring forth. The Bible says this, Isaiah 55, 11, my word won't return back to me void. It's going to do what I have intended that it do. How many of you know that the word of God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness? Amen. We've got the promises we need. We've got the words that we need and the the Word of God tells us if you'll get the Word of God in you and really believe it, and you have to meditate on it, think about it, plant it, water it. It says it will do its work in you. It will transform your life. It will change you. It will bring forth in you what God intended. It will accomplish my purpose. I want to just tell you God's got a great purpose in the Word of God. And he's got, a, he's got so much for each one of us. He says somewhere else, the, the word is sown in many places. This person worried and it didn't grow up. This, this person, um, you know, was just all about pleasure and just having fun and wasn't, didn't attend to the word and the thing, spiritual thing, oh, it didn't grow up. This part, da, da, da. But in the good heart, in the good soil, where it was watered, where it was planted, where the roots went down, what, what does he say happened to that one? It multiplied, it flourished, it blossomed and brought forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. Man, think about that, right? Get the word of God on the inside of you and what's it going to do? It's going to blossom. It's going to bring forth something new. And I will encourage you, there's a word of God for every one of you listening to me today. God's got something to give to you. God's got a word for you. God wants to speak to you. Jesus is the word. He's the life-changing word. He wants to commune with you. He wants you to feed on him through the word. Amen. How do you feed on Christ? You get that word on the inside of you. It's not just up here. You've got to feed on the word. Amen. When Jesus is like, hey, uh, I want you, you, if you don't eat me, you have no part of me. 
I believe a big part of what he's saying is, if you don't feed on my word, on what I say, what I have said, and make it live to you. Amen? People don't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds present tense, not past tense. I hope y'all are getting this. You see, life will come to you by you getting the Word of God on the inside of you alive. And I'm telling you, you can be like a Pharisee and you can know this Bible from the first to the back and you not be benefited one bit by it. It's getting it in your heart and it's believing it and it's having an encounter with Christ through the Word of God. I'm telling you, God wants to give you some great experiences in the Word of God. The Bible shows us that sometimes the Word plants things in us. Sometimes it's like a sword, and it cuts things out of us. Sometimes the Word of God just brings joy. I've had sometimes the Word of God challenge me. I start thinking of something, and, and the verse will come to me, and, and I'll just realize I have to apply it to a certain area of my life, and I don't want to do it. Any of you ever had that happen? You know you're supposed to do something? How about one of the big things for a lot of people is forgiving somebody. That's the easy one to know it's God's will, right? And how many times people have trouble forgiving? They know it's God's will, but they don't want to do it. They don't feel like doing it. Isn't that crazy? Now, once you've forgiven somebody and you've moved on, you go, oh, thank God that finally happened. I feel so much better. That's gone from me. I'm so glad I'm free from that, right? But when you're not forgiving somebody, you're just holding on to that. No, I'm upset at them. Well, the Bible says you need to forgive so you can be forgiven. It's not right for me to forgive because what they did is wrong. You ever felt like that? But God says, forgive. And there are many other verses like that that will challenge us. And when you do what God says, he'll cut something out of your life that you need to have cut out and make you whole. So God plants things, new things, dreams, visions, desires, victory. He, he plants so many things. Joy will come through the word of God. And he also cuts away things that are not of God. Cuts away fleshy things. Fleshy thinking. Fleshy attitudes. Wrong things. Things that don't please the Lord. He'll cut that out. Anyway, get the Word of God on the inside of you. Now, I just, when I think about this and the Word of God, um, I think about the home and how much I feel like we need to bring God back into the home. Right? So, I believe fully that we've missed out somehow because we have not let the Word of God get into our homes. I had an experience with the Lord, which I'll share maybe one day when, when I know more about what happened. But I was, I was in prayer, and, it, and the end result of all of that was, I, and I just will share the part, I just felt like it was so strong on God's heart that he wanted to get the Word of God back into the church. That sounds funny, right? But it's not just through the preacher. Back, I'm talking back into the home, um, but back into marriages, back into with the, with the parents and the children. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why our nation has gone backwards. Is It's actually because the Word of God isn't in the home anymore. People don't talk about the Word of God in the home anymore. They don't talk about the Word of God with their children very much anymore. It should be an everyday kind of thing. It's not like, oh, we, we do that every week. Oh, we did it. I remember we did it last month. We talked about that with our son or daughter. It ought to be an everyday, continually bringing people to God in what we're talking about. I fully believe that. And I believe that's God's intention. And I believe that God's going to do that in the church. He's going to bring the the word back into the home now if you look at this story and you see you see uh, mary here um think about this for a moment you know jesus was not privileged right the way we'd normally think about that jesus was born into a poor family who had hard times it was difficult right but he did have one extreme privilege he had two parents at home, right? That's a huge privilege, isn't it? And they took time and trained him in the Word of God. Do y'all think 
Y'all think that Jesus was born like with knowledge? Uh, he, you know, just as soon as he started doing words, he just repeated the Bible. Right? He didn't, did he? You know how Jesus learned the Word of God? How did Jesus learn the Word of God? He studied it. Jesus studied the Word of God because he was a man. Jesus was a man. Yes, he's God. He didn't live as God, though. The Bible says he laid that down and he came and lived as a man. So guess what? He had to learn the word of God. You remember when he's out in the wilderness, he's going through the temptation. How does he win? He speaks the word of God. And he didn't go, oh, let me go back and find it. He, the word of God was in his heart and it came out. He knew the word of God. Wow. God will do that, I believe, for anybody. What do we see when he's 12 years old? This is so funny to me. The parents go to Jerusalem. They leave. Hey, they're having a good time. They're, they have the Son of God they're in charge of. And, you know, like days later, hey, where's Jesus? Well, I think he's with the cousins. One of my daughters reminded me the other day, Dad, you remember you and Mom left me at the church one day a long time and somebody had to take us home that left after y'all did. Um, I probably had that happen a few times because my wife and I would drive separate cars because we went at different times. And so they'd have to come differently, right? We'd leave differently on two cars. Sometimes we'd forget a child. But anyway, somehow that day um, they left Jesus there. But Jesus isn't even worried. What's he doing? He's in the temple. And the Bible says he's asking questions and giving answers and discussion. So, and it says they were amazed. And the understanding of what they were amazed at, it was, it, if you want to put it in English words, it's his ability to put things together. They were amazed at Jesus' ability at 12 years old to put things together. I don't think that was an anomaly. We can go, oh, that's Jesus. You know what? Uh, think back, think about Mary. She was 13. She was 13, probably 12, 13, 14, when the angel Gabriel came to her. And what did he tell her? You know, you're highly favored already. You know, the Bible says Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Do y'all know that verse? So I don't understand that, but Jesus grew in favor. How do you grow in favor? By making good decisions by doing things that please the Lord, you, you see? And so even Jesus grew in favor with God and man, the Bible says, right? Mary is 12, 13 years old, and the angel says, you are highly favored. I believe that at 12, 13, she has already developed a life of pleasing God, obeying God, doing what God wants her to do. Her parents weren't thinking, oh, we're going to start getting her to go to church when she's 12, 13. No, from when she's little, they're teaching her the word of God. And, and when you see what she prophesied to Elizabeth in, well, I guess it's Luke 2, you know, that, that long um, word she gave, you know, we call it the Magnificat, right? What, some kind of cat. Um, over in Luke, let me, I mean, just, I want you to think about a 13 year old saying this sort of extemporaneously. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly state. She recognized she didn't have much in this earth. She didn't have anything to brag about. She wasn't like the, the, the princess in, in high school, in, I guess, what would it be? Elementary, middle school. Um, you know, the lowly state of, her, of his maidservant. For behold, all generations will call me blessed. She wasn't ashamed to say that, and that wasn't prideful. She was just amazed at what God had done. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mercy is, his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. 
Think about the depth of what she's saying there. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and he's exalted the lowly. Again, all this is coming out of the word of God that's in this woman's heart. At 13 years old, he's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He's helped this servant Israel and remembered of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She knew that word of God and she was 13 years old. I just want to say here, we need to get a new vision for the Word of God. Mary, I believe God chose her and favored her because her parents spent time discipling her in the Word of God. You say, well, what about have her having fun? I'm sure they had plenty of fun too. But that was not the priority above all things. It was to plant the Word of God in their children's heart. And because they planted that Word of God in her heart, and she grew up, she was honoring God, obeying God. When she was 12, she was already mightily blessed of God, amen, and favored of God. Man, I just hope all of you parents listening to me today are getting an expanded vision of what you can have in your home and with your children. You need to start when they are little, putting Jesus in their hearts, putting the Word of God in them. Man, there's no way to bring your children into a blessing faster than to get the Word of God in their hearts. What are you doing to bring your children into God? Amen. What are you doing to invest that into them? What You see, I'm telling you, God wants to bring that back in this nation. We need to disciple our children in the home, and we need to have godly marriages. It's crazy to see how many marriages fall apart because of ungodliness. There's no fear of God in our nation anymore. And the kind of God that we preach in church and the kind of God we hear about, it's, not the, it's just the God that loves you no matter what, and you can do whatever He understands. That is not the God of the Bible. God does love you no matter what. He's there to help you, but you just can't go your own way and do your own thing. And it's time this nation wakes up, and it's time the church will be responsible with God again, start being faithful with God again, faithful with church again, faithful with prayer meetings again, faithful with all the things God called us to do. Enjoy and rejoice and enjoy it. Now, I don't see anything negative about Mary's life. I don't see Mary going, oh, you know, I so missed out on life because of having to do all of this. And I want to just, I want to mention that as a secondary thing here. Do you see Mary's obedience there? God has to be first over all things. Notice what Mary doesn't say. Mary does not go, when the angel tells her, hey, you're going to have a baby. Mary doesn't go, wait, just a minute. I am 12 years old. I am not married. Do you realize how much trouble this is going to cause me? She doesn't say that, does she? You know, some people, they just like, oh, this is going to cost me too much. I'm only willing to give a little bit. I want to just ask you, how much are you willing to give over to the Lord? Anyone that has ever done anything for God or that fulfills the great call of God has always had to go through some kind of humbling circumstances. We love the blessings and the Bible. And she was blessed, right? God says, I blessed you. But anybody that's blessed is also going to have to go through trials and, and tribulations and difficulties to fulfill the call of God on their life. Nobody in scriptures have, had, have ever had a great call on their life, but that they had something great to where they were going to have to humble themselves and walk through it. Amen. So here she is. She makes that decision. She doesn't go, oh, you know what? It's going to cost me a lot. You know what else she doesn't say? She doesn't say, hey, wait a minute. Let me go ask my fiance. Wait a second. He might not like this. I better go ask him. There's certain things, maybe decisions she could have made she needed to ask her fiancé, right? We should work together. Why not here? Think about it. Why not say, wait a second, this is a big decision. I need to ask my fiancé because I'm engaged to be married. Why doesn't she ask her fiancé? Because when God says something... He's first, and there's no second. If you obey God, God will take care of your fiancé. God will take care of who you're going to marry. You know how many times I see people, they compromise 
God's word and walking with God so they can get married to somebody that is not walking with God and thinking, I'll serve God later. But if I serve God and do what He wants me to do, He won't like it or He won't like it. That is not God's way. God says, you do what you're supposed to do and you follow me. I will deal with whoever's supposed to marry you. Is that not true? Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all need the AC turned up higher? But anyway, I'm just saying, we sometimes put other people too high. Sometimes people put their marriage higher than God. You can't do that. I've seen people compromise with God because of something in their marriage. You know what? You do not do that. That is definitely out of place. You put God first over your marriage. You obey God first. What about authorities in the earth? Didn't We obey authorities, right? But not when they conflict with God. Amen? What did Peter and James and you know, the disciples say when the authorities said, you stop preaching. They said, you judge yourself whether it's right for us to obey you rather than God. So he was seeing obeying authority is a godly thing. But in this case, what you're saying is contrary to what God says. Are y'all with me? I just want to say we got to bring God back into our homes. We've got to bring God back into our churches. And we've got to put the priority of putting God first in our lives over all things. And when we do that, God's going to begin to work all other things out in our lives. Um, I, d I want to just encourage you guys with this. You know, this is so, so um, um, powerful. We have to put God over all things. And if you're a parent, you have to do that over your children. Sometimes, sometimes parents, they cater everything to their children. It's like the, now the household is about the children, right? And it's never meant to be that way. I'll end on this story right here. But um, I'm sure Mary was not catered to as a child. I'm sure God gave, I mean, her parents gave her responsibilities, brought her to church, uh, what we would have called church at that time, had her learn. They were probably helping with whatever was going on there in the synagogue uh, so that she's learning. They were a part of a group. They weren't just off to themselves, you know, well, you know, they'll get it. They're a good little boy, good little girl, whatever. No, they were so involved and they got together with other people that wanted to make this happen too. And they made it happen. Are y'all with me? And they never idolized their child. Now, I want you to think about this story. Abraham, God says, I'm going to use him because he'll train his children. Y'all remember that verse? I'll use, I'm going to use Abraham because he's going to train his children. God wants us to train our children but not idolize him. And then later, guess what happens? God tells Abraham, with this promised child he loves so much, I want you to go sacrifice your child. Now, I want you all to think about that for a moment. Could you imagine? Um, he goes, yes. And he does it immediately. He's getting ready to sacrifice his most precious possession, his child. But then he goes and you know, puts him there. He's got the wood. Oh, where's the sacrifice? Mm, son, you're the sacrifice. I mean, it goes so far as he's got his knife getting ready to kill his son. Now, I want you to just take a minute and think, what if you're Isaac at that moment? What would you be thinking? Would you not be? I mean, that, that, that would have to be the most scary moment that, of my life, right? Of your life, wouldn't it? I mean, think about it. You get in there. And you're, you're in this situation and um, God is, has put you in a place where it's, it's, I mean, how could God even let that happen? You know, isn't he going to think badly about Abraham? Isn't he going to go, Daddy, I can't believe you did this to me. Daddy, I can't believe you did that, right? And of course, I believe, I believe maybe, I believe, honestly, I believe when Abraham came home and told Sarah what he did, I believe she said that. I can't believe you thought God told you. No, I know he told me to do it. And then he stopped me. I'm just telling you, he stopped me. You know, could you believe what he's going through? But I'm, I just want to say this. What did Abraham do? He had to sacrifice his son. He goes, I need to know you put me over your children, over your son, over your promise. 
And he said, now I know your heart's completely mine. Right? He never intended for him to sacrifice Isaac. But what did he want? He wanted to make sure this, this thing needs to work right. I need to be first over all other things. And under me, everything needs to be lined up. I need to be first in your life, first in your choices. I need to be first in your home. You need to be putting me in your children. You need to be training. It's all about me. And all this other stuff, I have told you, I would add to you, I would bless you, I would bring things into your life if you put me first. Amen? So watch what I do. And sometimes it's difficult. We, just like Abraham, we don't want to have to do something. We might be misunderstood by our children. And maybe, I believe you might have been misunderstood, but guess what? Later, what does Isaac remember? My dad... He served God. He almost killed me one day serving God. That's how much he loves the Lord. He was just trying to do his best. And whenever he disciplined us or did whatever, it was always because he thought that's what God wanted him to do. Let me tell you, that will make a greater impact than you sacrificing and not doing what you need to do to be a good father or mother and raise your children in God. Amen. You put, you put, your, you put God first. God will give you the right man, the right woman. If you're already married, that's, you know, some people want to try to win their husband or, or wife by whoever, whatever means the, the Bible's like tells the wives, hey, quit nagging your husband. That won't even work. The best thing you can do is be on fire for God and serve the Lord and be full of joy. When he sees that and he sees how you're living, is that's the best way you can change him. Amen. When was that saying? That's saying you live on fire for God. And watch what God will do. How many times do I see people, particularly wives, they'll do it. They'll, first of all, they nag, right? And the Bible goes, don't do that. That won't, that won't bring your husband to the Lord. And then secondly, what do they do, right? They, they'll cater because they don't want to be all too on fire. Right? It's like, look, follow me and watch what I'll do. You just be on fire and you live that. Your, your marriage can come into alignment if you do that. Your children are coming to alignment. Your life will get in the right direction. I begin to order everything right if you put me first. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. And God, we thank you that as we put you first, Lord, you organize everything in our lives. You put everything in the right place. Lord, you bring us to where we need to be. You bless us. You help us. You strengthen us. You empower us. And God, we just pray, Lord, for this upcoming season. Father, we thank you that you've got some good things in store for us. Lord, we thank you that you're helping us um, to go into the right direction. You're helping us to do your will. And God, we pray right now, Lord, bless this season that we're coming into. Bless us, O God. Strengthen us, God, and help us, Lord, to walk this walk. Lord, I believe that there are new things coming. You're going to begin to speak some things that we need to hear. You're going to begin to inspire us with words we need to hear. Father, I pray right now that dreams would begin to bubble up in those people that you've already planted dreams there. For Lord, for those that have become discouraged, God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that there would be an encouragement. Father, I pray for a reviving of the dream. I pray, God, revive the Word of God. Lord, and strengthen the Word of God and strengthen your people in this hour. Father, we know that there's so many people going through troubles in this hour and they, they need miracles, God. We stand on their behalf today for a miracle. We believe you, dear God, in Jesus' name. God, we pray, pour out your power. Father, deliver your people. Lord, you know those who have pain. God, their lives are so messed up. God, we ask you today for a miracle for them. Father, we, you know those people who are so confused in their situation. God, we pray, teach them how to pray. Teach them, God, how to bring their burdens before you and lay them down. But God, we're asking you for deliverance. God, we're asking you for help. God, we pray for miracle power. Lord, and we pray that miracle power would visit your church. Father, in those divine opportunities, in those days of open doors, when the timing comes together, we have to be willing to go forward. And God, we've got to see the miracle hand of God. They could have never had that baby without a miracle. Mary could have never had that baby without a miracle. And God, we just pray right now in Jesus' name for the miracle power of God. Lord, we declare as the doors open, Lord, it might look crazy, but we're going through the doors. And Father, we're going to trust in you to do things that we know we can't do of ourselves. We're not going to be fearful. We're not going to back up. We're going to say this is a new season. It's a new day. It's a new time. God's doing new things. And these 
doors, we're not going to be afraid of them. And we are not going to doubt. We're just going to get the Word of God stronger and stronger on the inside of us. Lord, thank You for this upcoming season. And we just declare, Lord, we're not afraid of whatever might happen in this earth. We're not going to be afraid of sickness. We're not going to be afraid of financial catastrophe. God, whatever happens, we're just not going to walk in fear. And we declare that today in Jesus' name. Amen.